Bloody Valentine, the gory story of a serial killer who returns to a small mining town when a group of friends decide to throw a Valentine's Day party, a cult classic created in the small town of Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia. Blood, guts, broken hearts, cannibalism, and painfully Canadian accents. Explore the film that Quentin Tarantino has deemed his favorite slasher of all time. This is the history of Crazy Canuck Films. starts in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia, a community of 14,000 on the east coast of Cape Breton Island, and at one time a prosperous town in the coal mining industry. Sydney Mines, along with other Cape Breton communities, contributed to one of the world's largest steel plants that would successfully run for more than 60 years. What the region refers to as Black Friday took place on October 13, 1967 when the owners of the local steel mill announced it was shutting down operation within a year. 20,000 people protested in what was deemed the Parade of Concern. Four days later, the provincial government announced they would buy the steel mill. Unfortunately, this did not help Sydney Mines survive for very long. The last coal mine in the community, Princess Colliery, was closed in 1975. But just six years later, the Princess Colliery mine would be used again, and this time it would have its mark in film history. George Mahalka was born in 1953 in Hungary with his family coming to Canada 10 years later. After attending Concordia University in Montreal to study film, he would end up directing an indie comedy film called Pickup Summer in 1980. The movie was a modest success and Mahalka was approached by one of Canada's first commercial film studios, called Cinepix, to produce another comedy film. According to the director, Canadian tax laws at the time forced them to have a deadline they were not able to reach. In order to keep their funding, the production company decided to jump on the holiday slasher bandwagon. By this point, John Carpenter's Halloween with the infamous Michael Myers had exploded onto the scene and caused a laundry list of holiday-themed slashers that covered birthdays, Christmases, and most successfully, Friday the 13th. Cinepix threw their hat in the ring with a serial killer who returns to a small town on the 14th of February. The film was originally titled My Secret, but would eventually be renamed My Bloody Valentine. The outline was created by Stephen Miller, with the script being written by John Beard with a story that would be told through the love triangle of three friends stuck in a small coal mining town. The cast would include English-born actor Paul Kelman in the lead role of TJ, along with Canadian actors Neil Affleck and Laurie Hollier playing Axel and Sarah. For many in the cast, this would be one of their first major acting jobs. When it came time to choose a filming location, 
George Mahalka took a tour of Canadian mines until he came across Princess Colliery in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia, which had now been closed down for five years. The director says he picked the mine for its, quote, exterior that was dreary, cold, and dusty. Unfortunately, when the community of Sydney Mines found out that a film was going to be made, they spent $50,000 to repaint the entire Princess Colliery mine. The production would have to spend another $75,000 to return it to its original state, taking away from their budget for the film that was $2 million. Nevertheless, the community and the film crew would end up getting along great when filming began in September of 1980. Valentine was a difficult production for the cast and crew. Since they were shooting 27,000 feet below ground, there was a heavy lack of oxygen and claustrophobia became a common symptom on set. It also took the cast and crew one hour to ride the elevator above ground or down into the mine, leaving only four hours a day to shoot the film. And because methane gas is a byproduct of coal, Director George Mahalka says that he could only light a shot with 50-watt bulbs due to a potential explosion. On the lighter side, shooting the film above ground was much easier on the crew thanks to the ongoing support of the people from Sydney Mines. At the time, the town was suffering a recession due to the coal mines being shut down all over Nova Scotia. The cast and crew of the film injected a fair amount of money into their local economy when they went to restaurants, hotels, bars, and car rental agencies. Local carpenters and painters were hired to help out with the film, and store owners and volunteers from the community hanged Valentine's-themed banners and artwork that is shown throughout the film. In November of 1980, production for My Bloody Valentine wrapped in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia. While the production had been exhausting, Director George Mahalka would face an even bigger battle in the editing room, and he only had three months before the film's slated release day. The Motion Picture Association of America was under fire in late 1980 after the first Friday the 13th film was released with almost no censorship. Adding to the heat was the fact that My Bloody Valentine would be the very first horror film to be reviewed by the board after the assassination of John Lennon. The assumption was that the public would not be in the mood to watch a violent film. After a long back and forth battle, the MPAA would force the filmmakers to cut nine minutes of footage that they deemed too inappropriate for moviegoers. The last cut was made just several days before the film's release on February 11th, 1981. Just a warning to listeners in case you haven't seen the movie, spoilers are ahead. This movie is pretty crazy. Right away, a couple goes down to an empty mine and starts to undress, but the man sees a heart tattoo on the woman and kills her instead. It's a very bizarre opening. Fast forward to Thursday, February 12th, where we meet our main character, TJ, played by Paul Kelman, who has just moved back home to work at the mines. Here we also learn that TJ's friend Axel, played by Neil Affleck, is now dating his ex-girlfriend. The young men work deep down in the mines in a small town called Valentine Bluffs, 
and the town is preparing for their first Valentine's Day dance in 20 years. The legend goes that 20 years ago, two supervisors left several miners in the mines because of the big Valentine's Day dance. An explosion trapped the miners for days, and Harry Warden was the only survivor who resorted to cannibalism to survive and went insane. He was then sent to a mental institution. One year later, he escaped and murdered the two supervisors who left him in the mines and promised to kill again if the Valentine's Day dance ever came back. The first warning that something is off happens when the mayor of Valentine Bluffs receives a heart-shaped box that ends up having a real heart inside and a warning to never forget what happened on that Valentine's Day way back when. The mayor and the chief of police call a mental institution to see if Harry Warden is still locked up, but due to plot convenience, they never get a straight answer. Of course, the young people in town don't know and don't care. TJ's too busy trying to win back his girlfriend Sarah, played by Laurie Hollier, who is easily one of the best actors in the film. Later that night, the miners have a cookout on their carburetor. TJ and Axel share a bottle of whiskey, play harmonica, and then argue over who should have Sarah. Classic stuff. The first time we see the killer, he's dressed in mining gear and watching a local resident, an older lady named Mabel, while she is by herself in a laundromat. After sneaking in and chasing her, the killer attacks her with a pickaxe. Fast forward to Friday the 13th, when the chief goes to the laundromat to find Mabel's corpse being spun around in a dryer, which is easily one of the most horrifying kills in the movie. In their quest to keep making poor decisions, the mayor and the chief agree not to tell anyone that Harry Warden might be back, but they should probably camp to the Valentine's Day dance. Later that day, TJ picks up Sarah at work and forces her into his car, but it's the 1980s, so it's cute and quirky and funny. He takes her to the lake, begs her to take him back, and they kiss. The miners and their friends hang out at the bar and bitch about the Valentine's Day dance being cancelled and come to the obvious conclusion that they should hold it down in the mines. A bartender warns them not to do it because Harry Warden will kill them. Later that night, the bartender gets killed when he sets up a Harry Warden dummy that's supposed to scare the miners, but he goes back to check on the dummy only to find the real killer. The bartender gets a pickaxe through his neck and out of his eye. Valentine's Day has arrived and the party is going great in the miners' lunchroom until TJ and Axel finally have it out over Sarah and rough each other up a bit. Sarah tells them both to piss off, which leads her and a few of her friends to go explore the mines below. And as with every great horror story, the killers begin to pick up and become more and more brutal. One character grabs a hot dog from a boiling pot and gets his head shoved into the water. One of the many nameless couples in the movie goes off to make sweet love in the mining showers for some reason. But when the boyfriend steps out for a moment, the killer takes the girlfriend and puts her skull into a water pipe. Her boyfriend comes back to find water flowing freely out of her mouth. This is considered by many fans to be the best kill in the film. The party obviously comes to an abrupt end, and TJ and Axel decide to team up and head down to the mines to save Sarah and the others. The next 20 minutes of this movie are basically just the friends breaking off into different groups and trying to escape. Highlights include an actor who looks like Wilfred Brimley, but unfortunately is not Wilfred Brimley, finding a couple of his friends stabbed with a massive drill, while he gets killed with three blasts from a nail gun. 
Axel falls into a 60-foot pool of water and apparently drowns, leaving TJ and Sarah to be the only survivors left. The killer eventually finds both of them, and TJ and the killer fight with their pickaxes until Sarah pulls off the killer's mask to reveal the killer is not Harry Warden, but is actually Axel. A quick flashback shows Harry Warden killing the mining supervisor who left him to die with a very young Axel watching from underneath his bed. Back in the present, the mine collapses and Axel gets caught underneath. As his friends try to rescue him, Axel cuts off his arm and runs away laughing, telling them he'll be back. And that's how the story ends. My Bloody Valentine would end up grossing just over $5 million at the box office. To no surprise, critics hated the movie. Gene Sisko even called out the Canadian government for helping to fund the film. None of that mattered to the audience. The film would find a home in the world of cult Canadian classics. The early 1980s brought an onslaught of slasher films after the success of Friday the 13th but My Bloody Valentine would survive among the rest and be considered one of the best to come out of the era. In a 2006 interview, Quentin Tarantino said My Bloody Valentine had come to be his favorite slasher when he was promoting his own horror film, Death Proof. The nine minutes of footage that was forced to be cut for the theatrical release was considered lost for years, but a 2009 re-release featured what George Mahalka called 80% of the original footage. After the success of My Bloody Valentine, George Mahalka would go on to direct more than 20 films over the next 40 years, and at one point become the Vice President of the Directors Guild of Canada. Neil Affleck, who played Axel, would end up being an animator for The Simpsons and Family Guy, and Laurie Hollier, who played Sarah, would go on to find success on American shows like The Dukes of Hazard and Star Trek Voyager. She ended up moving back to Canada after calling Los Angeles a, quote, torture chamber of expectations. The movie's ongoing cult status caused producers at Lionsgate to release a 3D remake in 2009, but it received bad reviews from both critics and audiences and was quickly forgotten. My Bloody Valentine continues to find success in the world of classic horror films and forever lives on in the history of crazy Canuck films.